As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Be the best and you got to pay a little price. If you want it bad enough, you got to do a little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me today, my fabulous multiple co-hosts, you guys, Rams fans, athletic subscribers, athletic supporters, I don't know, that seems weird. <laughs> guys, it is so great to be on here with you today. Um, this is fun, right? We're going to do more of these through the season because I feel like this might be a year where you will want your voices heard, Right. Um, whether it is venting or questions or more venting or um, watching a group of, of really, um, I think, extremely just just motivated young people get better together. Uh, there's going to be some bumps, but I know you guys will have thoughts and feelings. Uh, feel your feelings. We love that here. And I just can't wait to hear from you guys all year. So thank you for joining me today for this really fun episode of 11 personnel live and I'm getting ready. I'm starting to pack, uh, hiding my suitcase from my dog because he tries to sit in it whenever he sees it, um, to prevent me from leaving. And, um, I'm starting to pack for Seattle and that's going to be really fun. That's a, a crazy opener and, you know, competitive games last year, by the way, um, even with a completely decimated Rams roster. So I think this is going to be fun. Um, the, the vibes, around the facilities have been really good this week. And I know everyone's excited to get everything going and that probably has something to do with it. But I keep telling you guys, like this is not a team that thinks they're going to be an easy out in any of these games. Now, whether that is true or not remains to be seen. So caveat, let's be logical with that um, on the outside. But um, it's a group of, of mostly young people, um, and they all like each other, it seems like. I mean, the vibes have been really great. This was our first week back in the locker room as well. Um, and there's just a ton of, of energy in there. Um, there's debates over college football and debates over, over movies and TVs and, and TV and, and um, you know, just fun conversations. And there's like some sort of, I have to, have a closer inspection of this. There's some sort of like 1980s, like stand up video game in the corner. Um, I think it's like NFL related. I'm going to have to go check that out. And the, the mini golf course in there, um, you know, it's a, it's a pretty small locker room because the Rams are still in their temporary facilities, but these guys are, are, they genuinely are hanging out together. Um, it's been fun to watch. It was especially fun to watch Thursday night football, the first half with, all of them in the locker room on Thursday. Um, there was a lot of really earnest and wholesome, you know, go Jared and go Jared Goff moments from everybody, you know, including Matthew Stafford. And there was a lot of, a lot of really earnest moments over people who are, are happy. We're generally happy to be watching football again. Um, lots of breakdowns and diagnoses of different plays and what the chiefs were doing and, and what the, uh, what the Lions were doing. And um, it just was really fun. I think I share the sentiment with everybody that I'm really happy that football is back. Um, although uh, in our world, especially if you're a fan or if you're a journalist, um, never really goes away, which is great. That's what we sign up for, right? So um, yeah, guys, the, the news of the week, obviously, let's just rip through that real quick and 
when I say rip, I mean rip because it might be painful for some of you to hear if you haven't been um, keeping up with it. Um, you know, Sean McVay said that there's a definite possibility that Cooper Cup goes on injured reserve this week. And Stetson Bennett and also um, Hunter Long, the tight end who was acquired via tr- that Jalen Ramsey trade. So let's start with the latter. Obviously, super disappointing. Um, Hunter Long was out the entirety of training camp. You know, I heard really good things from him or about him from Tyler Higby and from the coaching staff. And he just can't get on the field. And, and that's a problem. I, I don't want to sugarcoat it. I think that's a that's a pretty significant issue. But I don't I also don't think that he's a player that they're going to just give up on because of some injury issues. Sometimes, um, you know, you can, once you just get a year under the same training staff, sometimes those can be ironed out. And I can imagine that they're kind of trying to just, just go as, as, um, as precautious as possible with, with Hunter, especially because they actually have depth at tight end now between Tyler Higby and Bryson Hopkins and Davis Allen. I, I know is a, was a preseason favorite for many of you guys and, and for a good reason too, because that dude can play some ball. And then, you know, Stetson Bennett has been dealing with the arm soreness for a while. He played uh, most of the preseason, and um, so that doesn't surprise me a ton. But now they're going to have to make a decision whether Brett Ripien is going to be their their number two um, if Bennett does go on IR, um, and they have to make that decision, or they got to decide whether they're going to sign a veteran. And obviously, um, you know, this this is a week. Well, I don't say obviously because I think it's kind of a fun fact, actually. Um, you know, this week you have to get through week one. Um, if you, if you have certain veterans on the roster, um, before week one, then their salaries become fully guaranteed for the entire season. And a team that's really cash tight and cap tight, like the Rams they're you know, you're not necessarily going to do that type of maneuvering, which explains why Brett Mayer, the kicker or Maher, the kicker, and Ripian are are both you know on the practice squad because obviously this was a known issue with with Stetson, um, so you're not you're probably going to see them as call ups. Um, I could be wrong about that, but it, it makes sense to me that that you're going to see them as practice squad call ups until after week one, the official calendar cycle of week one. So through Monday night, uh, Tuesday at one p.m. is usually that waiver time. Um, you're you're going to see probably um, you know the, the call ups or or not. You might. Across the league, you'll see some veteran cuts, probably. Um, I don't. I'm not sure if you'll see that with the Rams. You might. Um, there's a couple of people who could could qualify and then could get brought back um, after that in order to um, in order to factor into their roster for the rest of the season. But a significant amount um, is not guaranteed in terms of the salary after that. Which obviously, for a team that has such cap limitations that the Rams have, um, you're, you're looking at you know, tens of thousands of dollars, all of that counts. Whereas the Rams in previous years were sort of working with tens of millions. Right now they're sort of counting every thousand uh, on their spreadsheet, which is a really interesting change. And then obviously the significant news is Cooper Cup, right? I mean, I think everyone's bummed about this, um, whether you're a fan, a journalist, just if you like football, you probably like watching Cooper Cup play football because um, he's just a fun player. And so I think that that's, there's, you could look at it as a glass half empty situation, which, you know, if you're a fantasy football player, you, that's what you're probably looking at this as. And also, if you're a Rams fan that wants this offense to kick the doors down in the first couple games, you're probably upset as well, which is totally fair. Um, but at the same time, the converse of this is he missed such a significant portion of training camp that it it's not it's not like they're pivoting in an emergency situation and re- redoing this offense on the fly without him. The second he has a soft tissue issue, um, you're sort of going through plan B, plan C, and, and figuring out what that looks like with all the other receivers. And that happened pretty early into training camp. So they have that going for them, I guess, <laughs> right? Um, but, you know, Van Jefferson steps up, you know, he plays the X. And, you know, as I've explained before at the athletic piece wrote in training camp, when Cooper Cup is healthy, he plays the F position, which is a multifunctional um, in in like 1990s and 80s offenses. That was the fullback. It does not mean that that's the fullback (laughs) in this offense. It just means that he can uh, rotate along the line of scrimmage in any of the receiving positions. It means that he's going to be doing a lot of like tight end ish concepts. Um, sort of those 11 and a half personnel things that we like to joke about. 
Um, he's a key factor in the blocking game. He's got a lot of option routes. So when the F is in the Rams offense, the F is the X. When the F is not in the Rams offense, the X is the X. And then you have a little bit more of a traditional style of, you know, X, Y, Z receivers, uh, maybe a little fullback sprinkled in there because we love to have fun. Um, so that, that's what we're looking at here. So Van Jefferson can play the X Demarcus Robinson can play the X Tutu Atwell can play the X. Um, Puka Nakua is a, a Y, maybe eventually a um, an F, maybe, um, and a Z, and, and kind of does the Robert Woods stuff, which is really positive for the Rams. And, and Tutu Atwell plays all the receiving positions now as well. So there's a plan. Um, I, I imagine this could be a significant Tyler Higby game as well. He had an outstanding training camp, as I wrote in a piece this week. He scored more touchdowns in the red zone than any player in training camp in the last two years. And so, and he was healthy. And so that was significant. Um, so, you know, I'm not trying to spin this for the positive. There's some concern obviously with Cooper, but I also didn't get the sense, you know, nobody has really talked about shutting him down for the year. Like I, I get the sense that shutting him, putting him on IR would even be a little overly precautious, right? I mean, he, he's walking around out there. He's participating in, in drills as like the emergency quarterback throwing it to teammates. It's, it's not like he's lying immobile on a training table somewhere. Um, but soft tissue injuries are so fickle and, and hamstrings are, are just insane to deal with. So if you have the opportunity to take extra caution, you take it. Um, seeing the specialist in, in Minnesota was was interesting because it was a sign that, yes, this was not your typical um, hamstring schedule. That's what Sean McVay was alluding to, not a typical hamstring schedule. So that was interesting to me and eyebrow-raising a little bit because seeing a special specialist in Minnesota would indicate at least trying to rule different things out, such as a nerve issue, such as a bone issue, um, any sort of those types of things, because if it's a strain, you know, it's a strain, you have an MRI and you see a tear, uh, in the muscle. And if you're going to see an outside specialist with Sean McVeigh indicating that there was some concern that it could be something else. And there was a gray area. Um, to me, that just means they're narrowing down everything. It's not and figuring out what, what the plan is going to be. So this is definitely something that bears monitoring, but I, I did not get the sense that this is like the sky is falling situation with Cooper. Um, it's frustrating, of course, and we'll just have to see. Uh, Sean McVay says day to day. I say it's week to week. We're just going to have to see. But I, I don't get the impression that this is like you'll never see Cooper Cup on the field this season. A lot, of course, has to go right in terms of the rehab and, and the recovery. But as of now... My sense is is not, you know, a, a worst case sort of dire straight scenario with this. So um, that's kind of the, the biggest news of the week. I know you guys have a lot of questions and I see people in the queue. I'm also going to get back to um, I'm also going to get back to the chat here in, in a minute. Um, you guys are leaving some awesome comments. <laughs> um, Alexis E or Alexis F. I see you. Where's the pause? How am I doing? How are you doing, guys? Hope you're doing well. I'm fired up, man. All right, I'm going to start getting the cue going here. All right, so we're going to have Kenneth V. Kenneth V, I know you were first in line here, so I hope you're ready to go. All right, yeah. So I'm assuming with the uh, IR, it would be after the season starts. Now, would that be Thursday or would that be uh, Sunday uh, as far as, you know, because if you do it before the season, then it's the whole year out. Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, um, this is a great question because it is a technicality point. So he would miss the whole year if he um, were put on IR before the cutdowns. So a player who's put on injured reserve prior to the 53-man roster deadline, they have to miss the entire year. But if a player is potentially going to be designated for return, then they are on the initial 53-man and then designated for IR. Something that's really interesting about this that tells me it's not, they don't think it's going to be like the worst case scenario is you know, that week heading into uh, right after the 53 man, you know, um, that was when he missed right after the 53 man was established. That was when he missed practice. And after that, they put Oshawn Mathis, who is dealing with a knee issue. Um, they put him on injured reserve after cutdowns, which means he 
uh, made the 53. So if they were worried about this um, being something that was a season-long thing, um, then an issue that was clearly had had popped up, um, then we maybe would have seen something different in terms of the designated timeline. Like, like if they knew really for sure what this was, you probably would have seen him go, go on IR when Oshan went on IR. But because they're still seeking clarity and because I don't get the sense that this is like, again, a season-long thing, um, whenever he goes on IR, which I think if it happens, it would happen tomorrow, that means that he has to miss a minimum of four games and before he can kind of be reactivated back in that 21-day window. He has to be back on the active roster sometime within that 21-day window. If he is not, then at that point, the discussion is, is missing the season. So like I said, it's, it's a great question. It's a technicality. But because any player who makes the initial 53-man um, and then is designated for injured reserve, they can also be designated to return after missing um, a minimum of four games. Um, great question. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, Chandler R. Okay, Chandler, you got us? Jordan, awesome. Well, I know you're going to hear this all day, Jordan, but I just want to say uh, thank you for all you do. Uh, all of, I can speak for all of us when I say uh, you're so kick-ass. Uh, we love every one of your stories, every post you tweet out, everything, especially when it's about Tucker. Uh, we all love you. Anyway, thank I'll get you. to my That question. is so nice. <laughs> oh, my uh, gosh. Just... I, I'm blushing and sipping my coffee, so this is great. Thank you so much. Oh, uh, thank you. Uh, my question is about the O-line room and uh, specifically the right guard spot. I know we're all going to be talking about that. Um, to me and a lot of people, it seemed like Ankrum was kind of holding it down pretty well uh, in training camp. And I mean, not saying that we see everything and not saying that you see everything, but um, what do you really think besides the reason um, that they're paying Noteboom a hefty amount of money to play? Why do you think he's... Uh, there, guys. It be, do you think it's strictly because he is a little bit better than Ingram? Do you think it's the, I guess, experience that he's had already with this uh, line and with this team? Um, just basically, you know, why why did they wait so long to even uh, to even announce it? Yeah, thank you so much for the question. That's a great question, and and what we love to say on Eleven Personnel, as as you guys know, is multiple things are true, right? And in this case, that is um, that is certainly the situation that's that's unfolding here because it, it was sort of a sequence of events that caused other events, and then that caused other events, right? And so, just to go back over the timeline, so Joan Opum came into camp. By the way, off the Achilles tear last year, which um, the things that Neil Elatrash is doing. Um, with that bracing surgery that he did on Cam Akers and now on Joe, Joe Noteboom, are um, it's like pretty extraordinary. That's an aside. It's just like I geek out over that stuff. But um, so Joe Noteboom came back, and it was a known fact that he was going to compete with uh, Alaric Jackson at what I'm going to call AJ here um, at left tackle, right? And that was what the Rams paid him for, uh, three years, $40 million. Um, they restructured him this spring, obviously, but that contract was significant. And he was just sort of waiting in the wings, um, you know, behind Andrew Whitworth to take over that left tackle spot full time. That's why they drafted him. That is what he was supposed to do. But it started to become a little bit more apparent as training camp continued that he was not going to win that job. 
And so if you think that he's still one of your best linemen, which uh, Sean McVay has said repeatedly, and also um, I have heard behind the scenes that that is what he thinks, um, then you're going to find out if there's a spot that works really well for them that that is an improvement or that you think, um, again, hashtag not my plan, but that you think is an improvement over um, another player who is there. And and I think like at the same time, like I think like a lot of you, I, f- I feel for Tremaine because he also is coming back from a significant injury, that ankle injury, um, that, that fracture that he had. And he worked his butt off in training camp. And I thought he played w- really well. I think when you look at Tremaine Ingram, you're also looking at the potential that he can be a swing depth player at guard. And he's also played a little right tackle for them as well. So when you're looking at getting the quote unquote best five, I think you at least want to try Joe Noteboom at a specific position where you think not only his experience level, um, but his, the way that he can um, sort of apply all of his, his knowledge uh, to the position. I think you're sort of looking to see if that can work. And then that, that leads to, I think that's why Sean McVay was irritated, was not at the player because he couldn't help the fact that he had the soft tissue upper body injury. Nobody can help that. But the fact that, you know, you have pivoted your plan in training camp, again, as they've pivoted these linemen a few times at this point, um, your plan has changed because you have a clear, um, uh, stronger option emerging at left tackle, right? And then you now are thinking, okay, we also have to continue along the, the same lines of, of, of sort of bulking up the interior as they've done on the outside as well. And you want experience in there and you're going to be doing a lot of um, different types of things in your run game. And so having an experienced player probably is, is where you would lean if, if you're a head coach. Um, and, and then I think the irritation came from when all of a sudden you're ready to do that and, and get this player significant actual competitive reps and joint practices. He suffers the, the upper body soft tissue injury, right? And so you can't really see what you even have. And then now they've sort of crunched all of that into the last two weeks of, of uh, like practice before the season begins. I will also say, though, the sort of the, the chatter that I had heard and I was writing about this, The Athletic, was um, that was he thought, you know, way even before, you know, even before Joe was was hurt, like before as they were prepping to get into those joint practices that he legitimately thought that Joe was going to be, um, you know, one of their best five and specifically would, would be their best option at the right guard job. I don't think that that's an indictment of Tremaine's skill set necessarily. I think that there's, like we've mentioned and like you mentioned in your question, I think there's a lot of factors at play. And I also think that, you know, I'm kind of of the mind where I'm not going to necessarily just rule someone out from succeeding somewhere that I haven't seen um, I did not get to see John Oakboom play any right guard other than a few times at training camp in rotation with Tremaine Ingram. That's a concern to me, um, and in part because it shows the timeline of how late they they made the the switch. Because you know, at, there's a certain point after cutdowns where media can't watch the whole practice anymore. So that's why they're sort of uh, capitalizing over. This lack of clarity, it, it seemed through the week, because why not just say Joe Noboom is starting at right guard um, as it seemed like the plan was going? Well, you don't necessarily have to say it. If, if media can't watch your entire practice to see for themselves, um, you can sort of keep certain things under wrap, which I don't necessarily get the point of that. But, um, you know, I, I'm also not in those rooms and, and game planning and doing the the little dance of gamesmanship that that all these coaches do week over week. So. Um, I'm, I'm not going to rule out the potential that Joe Noteboom could be a very, very good right guard. I talked to him, um, you know, last uh, early last week, and he was extremely fired up, extremely ready to prove himself. I think the biggest question with Joe is going to be always going to be durability. And it gets us into larger questions, as we've talked about a lot. I, I asked Les Snead about this last week, Sean McVay about this today. The lessons you have to learn about who you extend understanding you have a known injury history, the lessons you have to learn about who you draft and why, and are you being pushed that way as a need? 
Um, are you playing someone out of position? Are they being set up for success in your, in your system? And I think you can argue in both cases of Joan Oatboom, potentially of Brian Allen and certainly of, of Logan Bruss, that in some ways, I don't think that they were ever being set up for success, um, whether it was switching positions over and over again or, um, you know, extended to, to, uh, to ultimately compete at a position that, that you lost, um, even understanding the injury history. Um, you know, the, the organization has a very detailed understanding of the injury history. And so I just think that that's all of this is a really big lesson for the Rams to learn along their their offensive line. And I think that that's going to be important to monitor and track moving forward, especially as they sort of shift their philosophy and their identity up there. Um, you guys are not surprised at all that I just answered that in a very rambling way, but hopefully that was <laughs> hopefully that was helpful. Um, Chandler, thank you for your nice comments as well. Um, uh, Patrick T, I'm going to get you up here on stage. OK, Patrick, you're on stage. Hey, Jordan. Hi. Hi, Jordan. Hey, I love The Athletic, love your articles, love the 11 personnel. In fact, I'd like to see it on YouTube one of these days. Oh, you guys thank never you. decide you guys... to broadcast on YouTube. <laughs> I, you, guys don't, you guys don't want to see me. You, I promise you, you do not want to see me on a Tuesday after a road trip on your, on your screen. I promise you that. <laughs> so... Oh, I think the banter between you and Rich would be great. <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. I appreciate okay, that. Okay, but I've got a boring question about the kicker and roster. Uh, so I assume that they don't have Maurer on the 53 because they're not sure how he's going to work out. So is it going to be a matter of week by week going from back practice squad to roster, then getting released, going back to practice squad until they decide whether he's the guy or not? How is that all going to work? And how has he looked in practice so far? Yeah, thanks for the question. Not a boring question. You guys know how dearly I love to always be talking about kickers slash special teams. Um, and so <laughs> I think uh, it's a great question. Um, no, I have not seen him kick because he's doing it. He's kicking when media is not viewing practice. <laughs> so yet another delightful, uh, fun twist of, of this time of year. Um, however, I have talked to him. He's a really, really nice person. Dude, you, you hope the best for him. He wants a fresh start. It kind of reminded me a little bit of, um, you know, di obviously different personalities, but kind of reminded me a little bit of Matt Gay when Matt Gay kind of went through a lot of crap in Tampa and then came to the Rams. And then it was sort of like, okay, this is this is good. He felt good. Kind of the, the yips left a little bit because of the location change. I think the Rams are also hoping for that. We'll, we'll just have to see. Um but in terms of the roster question, so it's it's twofold, right? So the first thing is they didn't want him on the active, the 53 man, because um, otherwise his entire salary for the year, regardless of its size, would probably be a vet minimum deal. But it would still be, it would have to be guaranteed for the full season um, if, uh, if he was on the, if he's on the 53 man on Sunday. And so obviously, if you don't know whether this guy's going to work out for you or not, you don't want to have to be in the spot where you you formally have to guarantee his entire salary. So keeping him on the practice squad as a potential call up. Um, I mean, <laughs> you're so, you're also banking on like the a, another team, like not pulling like the most deeply chaotic and mean thing possible, which would be signing him away from you. <laughs> like, so you don't have a kicker, um, which I just don't think teams are, are. I mean, we heard some crazy stuff from from Sean Payton this summer, but I don't think that teams and coaches are that far into um, wanting like publicly wanting to hurt each other that bad. Um, there's some gamesmanship involved, but anyway, so that that's part of it. The first part. And then the second part is you just don't know if he's going to work out. So you can call him up three times from the practice squad and he won't count on your 53. And you can, over those three games, you can decide whether or not he's going to be your kicker and then combine that with, with practice. That's the same amount of games that took them to decide that Tanner Brown was not their kicker. So I think that that's significant. I think that that's a, a solid sample size to, to know. And the call-up rules really make this, I think, uh, um, a, a low-cost, low-risk opportunity um, in, in order to figure out whether Brett is, is going to be the guy. Um, you obviously don't want to have gone through the entirety of training camp with – 
at first two rookie kicker, or excuse me, the spring with two rookie kickers, the training camp with one rookie kicker, and then you ultimately cut that rookie kicker. Um, but because this was a lo- such, it's ultimately such a low cost move for them. The, the whole thing is, like I said, they're, it's they're 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 pinching like tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars at this point, and not so much thinking in millions anymore, um, right now anyway. And so this is significant. Um, structurally, that's just kind of why they, they operated the way they did. And, and m- much like you guys, I am looking forward to seeing this guy kick because who knows? <laughs> Roger M., you're next with your question. Hi, Jordan. First off, uh, like everybody's been doing, thank you so much for everything you do. Um, I do wish the thing you'd be reporting would be a little bit more like, you know, the previous two seasons where it was a lot more upbeat because, you know, I'm starting to <laughs> <laughs> but but I appreciate all that because I want to know all the news. Um, and uh, my question is uh, about Trey Tomlinson. Do you expect him to get any play time or where do you see him falling in? I mean, I felt like he had a great preseason. Um, I don't know if you recall. I actually asked you about him last time that you had one of these call-ins. I asked you who, who had that dog in him. And you told me you saw that in him. So I'm already a fan of his, uh, but I'm wondering if, if you expect them to get any actual playing time or do you think it'll be a while for that? Awesome question, Roger. And yes, I do remember you. Um, I remember your question at that time. And I'm so glad that that you guys were able to see um, in the preseason what I could see during training camp, which is that Trey Tomlinson, I think, is going to be a outstanding football player um, for the Rams and and definitely has the personality to be sort of that like larger than life, um, you know, celebrity kind of presence that I do know that we, um, we in the LA market just love to cover, love to highlight and that fans gravitate toward. Um, Obviously he's very young, right? So there's going to, that's a multi-year thing. It's not necessarily a day-to-day thing. And and I think Kobe Durant also, by the way, is, is going to be one of those players too. You see him doing a lot with the media team, and and I think he's going to be um, someone who you're going to hear a lot more from this year as well. Um, but Trey Tomlinson, you know, he just has so much potential, and particularly some of the things they're trying to do, um, you know, break on the ball faster, just have that that quick twitch, like super aggressive ball skills. Those are the types of things that they need more of, even when they're playing. As we know, guys, uh, ad, ad nauseum, I know it's annoying for a lot of you to keep hearing me say this, but even when they're playing in that that match zone that's supposed to be a just that, a match zone and not a prevent zone, um, I think everybody on the planet is tired of seeing that prevent zone and needs this team to get back to a match zone or a man match, which uh, I wrote about at The Athletic, and you can read about um, them wanting to do that and doing that in training camp. And so Trey is perfect for this, right? He's perfect for this because he's so quick and he understands space and he can make plays on the ball. And I think what will really start to help him gain an edge in terms of vying for playing time is if teams start to try to use a quick game against the Rams if their pass rush starts actually developing and, and working a little bit, that's a lot of times when you'll see teams go to the quick game that could get Trey Tomlinson on the field a little bit more, because I think, you know, I don't know who's, who's starting. I, I would imagine that it's going to be a on one side, DK on the other side, Kobe at the star, and then Russ yeast and Jordan Fuller at safety. And then Quentin Lake and John Johnson can come in. Um, obviously either for sub packages um, and Quentin Lake can play the dime linebacker as well. Um, there's going to be a lot of rotation and, but I, but that doesn't mean that Trey Tomlinson won't ultimately ascend to that role. I mean, I, I, like I said, I just think he has such an outstanding potential growth potential, and I would not be surprised to see him legitimately competing for someone's starting position further into camp. Now this would be, or excuse me, further into the season. Now this would be an outside position because um, as talented as he could be at the star. And and when you see someone who's listed at like five, eight, five, nine, you think they're going to play inside, but he's played on the outside, which again, kind of shows you what the Rams think about him and his potential, because they have not played him inside at all, where you'd sometimes get those more undersized receiver mismatches, uh, matchups. Instead, he's on the outside with the size receivers 
um, which is significant to me. And, and he's been holding his own as well. And so I think that you're going to see him really start to compete as time passes um, for someone's starting spot. Now, how that will shake out, we'll just have to see. And, and honestly, I think that is one of the silver linings of a season like this is you got a lot of young guys who are going to be really challenging each other through the course of this year, uh, particularly on that defense, which, yes, we know will come with its own moments of what the hell, right? But at the same time, I think that you're conceptually going to start seeing um, really how just they're, they're I, I see it every day. There's just this energy there. You know, they believe in themselves. Their coaches believe in them. They're being coached so hard, harder than I've seen a group get coached here, especially because a lot of those players were already veterans. And so you coach them a little differently than you coach young guys. And um, when you guys start to see those blocks get stacked together game over game, I'm very fortunate and I don't take for granted. Like I get to see it happen day over day, right? What is going to be really fun for you guys is to see this start to happen game over game. And obviously that comes with the caveat that, you know, you have to factor in, you know, they hope no one gets injured. They hope that they can actually play with a lead, which means they can play the type of defense they want to play because the defense always complements the offense in a Sean McVay system. Um, and so you're, you're, you're hoping if you're the Rams for all of those things so that you can actually see the proof that these guys are stacking it together. Um, but yeah, I think, um, it, it's going to be it, that part of it, I think will be fun for, for fans who are kind of nerds about the game, um, such as myself. And, um, okay. With that, I'm going to get to the queue. We've got some great questions in here. If I pause, I'm sorry. It's just because I'm reading, um, <laughs> and trying to manage, a screen, which as you guys know, I am not good at. Um, but okay, we have. I'm really missing Rich and a good uniform theory from Todd G. Yes, I miss Rich too. Um, I'm hopeful. I think he's going to be back with me after the Seattle game. Um, for those of you guys who did not know, Rich is an editor on the Hockey Vertical now, and so um, he's going to be able to join me about once a month. It seems like because we are trying to figure out schedules. We obviously are on very different schedules now. And um, I'm super grateful for any and all time that he has. Um, and yeah. let's see. Who do you, Anonymous U says, who do you see getting rushing opportunities other than Akers? Um, I think Kyron Williams is going to get touches. I think he's going to be utilized in the passing game. I think that he's going to get some carries. This is going to be situational based on the opponent. Um, they have two really ver now running backs who can do different things, and they are hoping, you, you probably won't see it all at once, but they're hoping that their run game is a lot more multiple and a lot more versatile than it has been in the past. Um, Sean McFay has sort of been known as that zone guy, right? And now you're going to see more gap. You're going to see more power. Those are things in which Cam Akers really excels. It's uh, shoulders forward running where – you can see the the field layout in front of you, and you can see, um, you know, the gaps in the in the in the spaces and, and those things opening up versus, you know, everything being dependent on each individual offensive lineman moving things laterally and being in certain places at certain times. And so Cam can really, I thought, ran outside super well um, this camp. I thought he especially ran well when he was when there was, they were running some of that stuff, which I guess I can say now since um, it, was in my, uh, it was in my story this week. Um, although if I do get a dart to the neck, you guys know why. <laughs> um, and I just thought, you know, they're, they're, and then Kyron Williams is really working in the passing game too. So they've got the versatility that, you know, it's, it's rare with the draft picks that now they're getting running backs with, um, you know, it's going to be rare that you're going to get a full, complete, you know, lead workhorse guy. Those are sort of now outliers. You're seeing the league average. It's like a 40-40-20 or a 50-40-10 rep split at this point. That's across the league. It's also, there's a huge conversation about what that's done to um, tank contracts and value, despite the fact that running backs are, you know, the heart and soul heartbeat of, a, of an offense in most cases. Um, but, you know, because you're not going to necessarily, you're basically, you're, you're putting together a run game using multiple people versus it going through one person. And the Rams were super lucky when they had Todd Gurley because they could run their run game through one person 
and be the best in the league while they did it, but they can't do that anymore. So now it's going to be, I think you're going to see Cam Akers really, yeah, I, I know I've said this every year, but I really do think, and I believe in Cam, and I think that um, this could be a really good year for him, and he knows it, and he knows it also has to be, right? And I also think that Kyron Williams is going to do some nice things too, and I think they're both going to do some versatile things, which um, if all things unfold the way that they hope that it does, could be exciting for Rams fans to watch. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Um, okay. Timmy O. I think Timmy is call, is uh is checking in from um, overseas as well. So thank you, Timmy, for showing up. Appreciate it. Actually, have no idea what time it is where you are, but um, appreciate you. It says, hey Jordan, our run defense hasn't been the strongest. That's a very nice way to put it <laughs> during the preseason. So what are your expectations for the game on Sunday? You think it'll be a rough start? You know. Having Aaron Donald in the mix is going to change some things, obviously. So there's that. Um, at the same time, some of the issues that the Rams were having sort of vacillated between technical issues from the young guys learning how to play gap and a half technique, which is a lot of it's it's complicated and it's is literally what it sounds like. You're accounting for a gap and a half. It takes different types of hands and leverage points and uh, lateral movement and understanding space, and then also um, size, right? And I think you know Bobby Brown is their is their biggest guy on the interior, and I still am not sure just how many reps he's going to actually get um, because they'll be rotating a lot of players. And so I think that I, I am concerned about this. I've been concerned about this. I think if they could. Fiscally, and if the finance matched the person, I think that they would have like legitimately shored this up. Um, but you know, the the person has to be available, and they have to be available at the right price. And you just never know how some of this works. Um, they also want to see some of the young guys play. I get that, but this is yes, I do think this is a concern um, because what I saw above even the technical stuff, which can be fixed and will be, you know. These guys work hard at it, and they're coached by Eric Henderson, who's one of the best, if not the best, D-line coach in the country. You know, they're they're going to get the technical stuff cleaned up. You can't coach size, though. And so you can fix some things with great technique if you don't have the size, but there's nothing like getting just just shoved off the line of scrimmage. And that was where I was most concerned in the preseason was – some of those runs, in particular that first game, some of those guys are going to be contributing. Um, and, and you could see the pile just get moved. And that was not great. So that's what I'm looking for is that physicality, but also that technique that sort of hides some of the lack of size that they may have um, coming together in that way. And then, and then Aaron Donald will factor in for the positive um, as usual. But he shouldn't – the thing is you don't want him to have to do all of the – heavy lifting himself, um, guys need to sort of step up and, and, and figure it out along with him as well. Um, I missed, I missed whatever was pun intentional, but I'm just like, I 
I do puns without even realizing it at this point. So, um, has she, Joshua S says, has she talked about the starting O line for Sunday yet? Not sure who is starting. I think from left to right, it's going to be Alec Jackson, Steve Avila, um, Coleman Shelton, um, Joe Noteboom, and Rob Havenstein. Um, Curtis F says, in your opinion, what happened with Bruss? It's a great question. I think that it was a confluence of poor process, um, and I'll explain each of these, but poor process and bad unfortunate circumstance. Poor process, I think, you know, once they went all in on trying to re-sign Von Miller, they sort of let, just sort of let Austin Corbett walk out the door. Um, He could have been a long, really solid long-term option at right guard for them, but uh, they didn't re-sign him. That pool of money and then some was going toward their efforts of re-signing Von Miller. Obviously, you guys remember they waited pretty long into that tampering period to actually figure out what was, you know, hear back from Vaughn on what he was ultimately going to do. Um, and what he did was go to the Bills, um, where they're, you know, they're poised to have potentially a really special season. I, I don't think you fault anybody, especially for that that amount of money. And then also the potential of, of that team. You, you certainly don't fault people for that. But that sent the Rams sort of, in, in, and I can say this, now too, sort of in like uh, impulsive panic mode a little bit. Um, you know, they went looking for receivers, and Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup thought Allen Robinson would be a good fit, and and Sean McVay got on the phone with him, and they signed Allen Robinson, and you know, then they signed Bobby Wagner, and those are two additions in free agency that they don't often um, make moves for those positions specifically. Neither of those players obviously are still on the roster, so these these ripple effects start happening. So then you, you have this, this gaping hole at right guard. You also don't pick until number 103 that season. Um, that, and then all of the free agents that maybe you could have brought in instead, everyone's pretty much gone because you are sort of focused on the Von Miller situation, right? And so then you're, you're pigeonholed there. You have to draft for need at this point, which is not what you want to be doing. Um, because that sort of narrows your options. It narrows your potential of, of being flexible at those points. And, you know, there's a different offensive line coach in place at that time. There was a little bit, they hadn't shifted over their philosophy with the run game yet. So you're, you're looking at maybe perhaps a different pool of players than you would be this year. And so now you're looking at Logan Bruss and you draft him at, at 103. They were really excited about him because that was who, the people who were making the decision, that was who people wanted. And then that's why you saw them be so excited was because if you're drafting for need and you're, you're being kind of told what direction you're in and and all of that, like that's, you think you've, you've, you've nailed it. Right. (laughs) And so then um, after that, obviously so unfortunate for, for Logan is blowing out his knee in that preseason game, but also even in the spring, he wasn't, he was limited in, in the spring. So people forget that he, he was limited in the spring coming out of college and th- he was relearning a new, he was learning a new position, right guard. Cause he was in, he was a right tackle most of the time in college, but then he can't really get reps there cause he's limited. And then he gets hurt in the preseason. And then that's an entire year recovery where he has to like relearn how to walk and run and all that stuff. And then now you're going to be switched back to right tackle, right at the NFL level. So you got to learn that. And so it's just a, but, but at the same time, it doesn't excuse a poor process, right? So it's just both of those things. I'm going to repeat it again. I'm sorry. Like we love to say it here. Multiple things are true. Um, cause that's, that's just, that's just how a lot of these, um, situations unfold. So, um, Tommy T that was, that's a good one. We could totally hear Jordan holding her laugh for Abtech. Always be talking about kickers day one, 11 personnel people, Entering year four of me being so grateful to be on this podcast and um, um, on this on this beat for you guys um, and for the athletic, know that that was maybe one of our first my era of eleven personnel. That was maybe one of our first big inside jokes. So thank you very much. Um, let's see. Alfred D says, hi, Jordan, any thoughts on yeast over John Johnson? The third, is there going to be more of a 50, 50 split? 
Um, I think you, I don't, I don't think you want to rotate your safeties a lot. Um, Russ yeast can, and I can say that now guys, did you hear that? Russ yeast, he could play the star. Um, so that's interesting to see what they do with rotations in that regard. They could move him from that depth safety to closer to the line of scrimmage at times, those types of things. And John Johnson would, would probably come in at that point. But if, if Jordan Fuller starts, um, I have a hard time seeing them start John Johnson with him because they're very similar um, types of safeties. They're similar builds, um, similar velocities, those types of things. So I think it kind of just depends on on who they decide to start. I do think Russ Yeast will start. Um, don't lock me in on that because things could change. But he started. He and Jordan Fuller started the majority of camp and into the preseason practices together. Um, so I, I think that that's probably something that you're looking at um, in this regard. And Curtis F, great pun. Greg I says, uh, Jordan, thank you. We can end on this because it's a very nice comment. Jordan, thank you for doing this. Will you be posting a recorded version of this later? Guys, yes, I will. Um, Super producer Danielle, who um, was kind enough to share the link out because I am hopeless and kind of a moron when when it comes to my my phone. Um, (laughs) She's going to be cutting this together and posting it on... uh, on our regular podcast feed. And we're going to be doing more of these throughout the year. So um, you guys, I I just want to thank you for your participation and positivity. Um, I know that this is going to be a frustrating year at times for fans and we're kind of in it together. I'm going to do my best to bring all the information I can to you. And I think that in the end, I think we can all just be excited that football is back and that this team, I think in some ways could legitimately surprise people the energy is really good. Um, if they are going to be bad, they don't know that. <laughs> so that's what I will. Um, that's what I will leave you guys with. I really appreciate all of you. Um, I hope you guys are all staying caffeinated. Hope you guys are all staying hydrated. I hope you're taking care of each other and yourselves. Um, please, please, please take care of each other out there. And catch you next time. Mm-hmm.